operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. By my side, to Mary Jane Watson, to my Gwen Stacy. Stephen, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? <laughs> I am <laughs> fine. Uh, Stephen, you know where you can check out the latest news and reviews? CNN? No! <laughs> no, 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 no. No, much better news than that. Oh, there you go. Okay. Comicbookrevolution.com. Oh. Yes, in fact, Kevin... No lie. I swear he times this. Yeah. He times this. He knows over, he's over in California, and he knows, wait, 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 my, my spidey sense is going off. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 think that, I think they're about to podcast, so I'm going to drop a review. And he there did. This is for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yes, the latest issue of Captain Marvel. He's reviewing it. God bless Kevin for reviewing it. Yeah, I know. He deserves a merit badge for, uh, for <laughs> her. For her. Reading that comic, boy, does he ever deserve some kind of award. Yeah. Uh, better him than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he posted a review for Captain Marvel number three. Yep. Just hit it. He gave it a pretty solid score, actually. Kevin, you know, he's a sucker for that. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. He, but he does. He does. He, uh, he enjoyed it. He gave it a seven night girls out of ten for the story, eight night girls out of ten for the art. There you go. So go check it out at comicbookrevolution.com and see what Kevin had to say about it. Mm-hmm. And you can check us out at tw- on Twitter, CB Revolution. You can check me out on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution. And Stephen, you? And you can check me out at President Glover. Fantastic, my yeah. friend. Stephen. Yes. On tap for today. Okay. We have several issues to review. Yes. From Marvel, mm-hmm. we have Avengers 17. <laughs> Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number four. Mm-hmm. Gardens of the Galaxy, number three. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man Life Story, number one. Yes. And from DC, which was a really small week from DC, we only have two titles. It was just blah, small, tiny, blah week for DC. But they did give us Justice League number 20. Mm-hmm. And that's always a good thing. And I decided we would check out another Wonder Comics title. Naomi, number three. I reviewed the first issue over on comicbookrevolution.com. It was a very slow, boring, bendacy issue. And this is what gets me. Mm-hmm. It, it just, there is no objective way you could have given that a high score, right? Yeah. But I love how, I love how on the cover of Naomi, number three, it says, 10 out of 10, Newsarama. Wow. Stop, you, you lose all, cr- Steven. <laughs> Look, yeah. Okay, fine. People can differ on comics. I get that. Yeah. But to go 10 out of 10 is, I mean, come on. You're now ruining any and all credibility. You might as well just say, hey, DC, keep giving us all the inside information and ultimate and free and easy access to all of your talent. Yeah. I mean, it's just, could, it. could, you say, <laughs> could you say you're a shill any more than that? You know, you just have. That's why those websites have zero credibility when it comes to reviews. Stephen always has, always will be. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, <laughs> let's start off with uh, let's start off with DC, shall we? Since we only have two titles. Sure. Justice League number twenty. That is brought to us by Scott Snyder and Jorge Jimenez doing the plot. Scott Snyder doing the words. 
Jorge Jimenez doing the artwork and Alejandro Sanchez doing the colors. And we begin, Stephen, in the sixth dimension where our Justice League has met up with the Justice League of the sixth dimension. They are all older versions of our Justice League. And in this dimension, they have defeated Perpetua Mm -hmm. and brought justice to the universe. And now justice is complete. They have the little full justice logo. On their flags, and justice has completely taken over the entire universe, and they've remade the universe into this amazing utopia. Mm-hmm. And what happens, Stephen, when you are presented with a utopia in comic <laughs> books? Well. It's never a good thing, is it? Mm-hmm. You know there's something <laughs> rotten somewhere. That's always a signal to the reader, uh-oh, this is too good to be true, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, in fact. Yes, in fact, your, 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 your fears are correct. So what's interesting... The Sixth Dimension Just League tells our Just League that the best way to beat, the only way to beat Perpetua is to further it along even faster. Mm-hmm. You have to further it along faster. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So basically, you have to encourage the destruction of the universe in order to save the universe. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. <laughs> and we get a two-page splash shot of basically Scott Snyder taking a time out to recap the past couple of issues so you know who Perpetua is, mm-hmm. her three sons, the Anti-Monitor, the Monitor and the World Forger, mm-hmm. and that basically Perpetua uh, created the multiverse as a weapon, uh, basically a bullet to direct it toward the other eternal celestials. And the her three sons uh, disagreed with her, so they foiled her, and they warned the other uh, you know, celestials about it, mm-hmm. and she got that's how she got uh, banished, or whatever. So there you go. That's that's what we have for for that. Mm-hmm. We then cut back to our Earth, and it's Gotham, and we see Batman chasing Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. And Deathstroke is getting away, and suddenly, out of nowhere, <gasps> Batman goes, Robin, can you get him? Deathstroke's getting away. And you see Jaro in a Robin <laughs> outfit, and he goes, on it, Dad! <laughs> oh, my God, Stephen, you know, at this point, I passed out from happiness. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, those little babies and their hands are like all clenched up, and they just kind of shake it back and forth, and then they pass out. So he <laughs> lands on Deathstroke's face and takes Deathstroke out. Bum, bum, bum. And he's like, Deathstroke, more like dead joke. Am I right? <laughs> I love Charo. <laughs> Batman's like, good one. Ha, ha, ha. Good one, son. <laughs> Batman laughing. He goes, that's why you're my favorite Robin ever. Jaro's like, oh, stop. And he goes, nope, I mean it. My favorite ever. <laughs> like, this is so fantastic. And then, of course, you realize it's just a dream. Mm-hmm. We're at the Hall of Justice. Jaro's passed out. Mira's like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And you see Starman there, and he's like, oh, we're in trouble. And we see Mixel, Mr. Mixelbuck. He's there, and he's covered in this energy cocoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say, Jaro, you got you to, what's going on? What's going on in his head? And Jaro's like, there's a voice in his head. And it's telling that he must do what they agreed upon. Mm-hmm. And erase the line before it's too late. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so we come back to the sixth dimension. We see Martian, sixth dimension Martian manhunters married to sixth dimension Kendra. <laughs> okay. Okay, sorry. It's just, that's such a gross pairing. It's got to be Hawkman and Hawkgirl. It's just, it's just wrong, and it violates the very laws of nature, Stephen. It's like seeing Black Canary with someone other than Green Arrow. Yeah, that's true. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Superman with anyone but Lois Lane. Yeah. Oh, wait. that We've seen that. <laughs> okay, yeah, anyhow. Uh, I've almost forgotten that we'd seen that until you brought it up. So yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> and we see they have a son, Shane. Mm. And t- uh, the Sixth Dimension Martian Manhunter and Sixth Dimension Kendra are talking to our versions. Mm-hmm. And they tell them, 
uh, look, uh, uh, Kendra is the messenger bird, and John is the is the shepherd, and John decides what people need to know and what they don't need to know. Ooh, ooh, that's your first sign that something's not right. Yeah. And the roles are forever linked. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and we see that uh, a couple of uh, ships getting loaded up with Martians and taken off for Mars. And we see that, yes, they have managed to find more Martians and repopulate Mars. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is too good. This is getting way too good to be true now, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> and the Sixth Dimension John is like, you see, uh, once the war is over, the multiverse becomes a heaven of our own making. Mm-mm. And then it's we like, is there a planet of Oreos too? Like, what else do you need to get the Martian Manhunter on board? Yes, <laughs> a planet full of Oreos. That'd be awesome. Where all the rivers are milk. <laughs> mm. I would like to actually go there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I was gonna say I'm, me, me too. <laughs> I'm feeling kind of hungry right, right? now. Actually, <laughs> so we cut to Star Labs and we see Sixth Dimension Barry Allen and Sixth Dimension John Stewart there. John Stewart is a White Lantern, mm-hmm. and they're talking to their our version of their counterparts, and they're saying, "Look." Sixth Amendment John Stewart, he's an architect and a White Lantern, so he's using his powers to rebuild the lost multiverse, the lost multiple Earths mm-hmm. that they lost in the war of Perpetua. Yeah. They're rebuilding them and making them even better than ever. And then Barry Allen has complete control now over the speed and the still force. Mm-hmm. It allows them to collapse hypertime and plop them back into the multiverse where they belong mm-hmm. in whatever time and space they need to be. And our Barry Allen's like, oh, wait a minute, you can't do that. And Sixth Dimension Barry Allen's like, here, the time stream is no longer perilous because I've got full control of everything. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. And I like this. This is actually really cool. I like it. This is like Snyder doing a good job of taking Barry to the logical conclusion of what Williamson is doing over in The Flash with mm-hmm. his big quest to learn about all the various forces, right? Yeah. His big Flash quest. The flashes of other multiverses have told him he should go on. Mm-hmm. So this is a ni- this is a good job playing off that. Yeah. What Williamson is doing over on that title, and I love uh, the the sixth dimension John Stewart again. This is this is the logical conclusion of John Stewart's character, as well. He is an architect. Mm-hmm. It plays off his original uh, uh, his original identity before he became Green Lantern, yeah. and it plays off his guilt over the destruction of Zanshi. Mm-hmm. And what a better role for someone who blames himself for the destruction of Zanshi to be able to use his White Lantern powers to create new planets this is this makes total sense for his character this is how he would atone for his self-perceived sins yeah it's really good writing by snyder for mm-hmm. both those characters oh yeah and then we go to six dimension wonder woman talking to our wonder woman on paradise island and paradise island now steven it's better than ever mm-hmm. it's now a place of learning mm-hmm. and so that's kind of cool and again this is kind of the logical conclusion of Paradise Island as well. It's, mm-hmm. uh, Wonder Woman has always been a symbol of love, mm-hmm. of hope. And as much as people don't want to hear this, she is nurturing. Mm-hmm. She's nurturing and caring. She's kind of like the ultimate motherhood. Yeah. And uh, uh, people are you know, that's, that's <laughs> what Wonder Woman is. That's, yes, you can be a badass Amazon and also still have distinctly feminine qualities. That's why she is the number one female superhero mm-hmm. in comics. Yeah. And this is very consistent with her core character. She is not someone who lives for the fight. She's not Batman Mm-mm. who lives for the fight. If there is no fight, Batman would feel like he's at it, even though he claims he, and we'll get that in a minute, he claims yeah. to want to end all crime. The fact is, Batman without the fight would not be happy. 
He's at that point, I think, in his life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. You know, that. <laughs> Hal Jordan, without the adventure, mm-hmm. the space cowboy adventure, would not be happy. Mm-hmm. One woman would be more than happy to walk away from the fight. That is not her main directive. Her main directive is love, caring, nurturing, growing, educating. That's her thing. And this would be her dream. Oh, yeah. This would be her dream. And we even saw that being touched on when, um, oh, gosh, on uh, – his run on Justice League, uh, was it Christopher Priest? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he really showed how Wonder Woman just wanted to help these yeah, people the in Africa mm-hmm. and just rebuild their society. She didn't want to fight. She just wanted to help them rebuild their society. It's right. quarter her belief. So I like Snyder, again, does a good job with that. Yeah. And then we see Batman in Gotham. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's bright. It's shiny. It's even brighter and shinier and cleaner than Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And Batman's like, what's this is this doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And the six dimension Batman and six dimension Superman are there and they're saying, look, this is a testament to your dream, your work. And the six dimension Batman takes his mask off and it's Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no one gave more in the war than you, Bruce. Your sacrifice, even your life, meant everything. So we know Bruce in the six dimension dies in the war against Perpetua. Mm-hmm. Makes the ultimate sacrifice. And they have carried on the mantle of Batman and Dick Grayson's like, you know, Batman is what you always wanted him to be a symbol of what's best with about us. So, and Superman's like, yep. And you know, you, 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 you showed us that the, that the solution is always built on cold, hard facts, not ideals. So this plays an extension of, of hmm. Bruce Wayne perfectly. Which is very odd, given how much of every everything else everyone else is being showing mm-hmm. is based on you know what they want, yes, their ideal of life, yes. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yes, it's a little, Batman's is a twist off of everybody else. Everyone else is mm-hmm. their greatest fantasy come to life. Yep. And so, and <laughs> Dick's like, any questions? And our Batman's like, first. Where the hell are all the villains? <laughs> Again, this Batman is not, he's not buying it. No. He's not buying this at all. But I like this again. It, it does a good job. Again, Scott Snyder understands the Batman franchise very well. He wrote it. Mm-hmm. And I like that he, that, that it's a little nod to, to Snyder's Batman run because Dick Grayson was Batman uh, when Scott Snyder was on the title. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it was a nice little nod right there by having Dick being Batman. Yeah. And I also like that it continues to play with the theme of Batman being a symbol that can live on. Bruce Wayne is, is just a mortal man. He's not like you know Superman. He's not going to live forever or live mm-hmm. for a phenomenally long time. Batman has a, shel- a short shelf life. Mm-hmm. And I like the uh, you know, Snyder plays with the idea that the Batman is, is a symbol that can live on past Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So... We then cut back to uh, John and Kendra, our John and Kendra, looking at this amazing paradise. And then Shane appears, and he's like, this is not, this place isn't what you think. You need to leave. This is a bad place. You have to leave right now. And he goes, let me show you. And his eyes glow, and he projects, I guess, whatever mental images into their heads. And Kendra's like, oh, my God. And John's like, no, it can't be. (laughs) We then cut back to our Earth, and we see Mr. Mixelplick has morphed into a giant demonic creature mm-hmm. and he's bust through the roof of the hall of justice and he's like uh it's too late for everything i'm loose so we don't know what's going on there yeah we cut to lex luther and brainiac and they're watching what's going on in the hall of justice and Brainiac's like uh i told you i warned you mr mixelplick's power is incalculable uh, you know the fifth dimension has no limits 
and you know how are we gonna beat them now they have this off the chain Mr. Mixelplick all roided out mm-hmm. and Lex is like yeah you, 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 you know you need to just hold on use your imagination what if we had our own imp and he carries opens up a he takes out of a hidden room a metal box yellow oval and a black lightning bolt in the middle of that yellow oval Steven mm-hmm. here's my guess yes What's another character <laughs> from the fifth dimension mm-hmm. with powers very similar to Mr. Mixelplick? Mm-hmm. Thunderbolt. Yeah. Thunderbolt, while Mr. Mixelplick is a fifth dimension <laughs> imp, yeah. Thunderbolt is a fifth dimension Genie. Jin. Or Jin, yeah. Right? Yeah. Thunderbolt on the box, mm. fifth dimension, yeah. capable of battling a Mr. Mixelplick. Mm? Thunderbolt. And this would go along with the Justice Society of America coming back in Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Would it surprise you if that's who it was? Honestly, no. <laughs> right? I, I, I think it would be awesome if that's who it was. That'd be great. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, the only thing I would say is that he said imp, not the... True, true, true. And there is another fifth-dimensional imp that has shown up before. There is. Um, it has some weird... I, I know. Like it's another... Wisp or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aquaman yeah. villain. yeah. That last I saw him, it was in Morrison's Justice League. Gosh, yeah, so. you're right. So it could be him. It could be him. could be him. I'm rooting for Thunderbolt, personally. I think so, yeah. That'd I'd be like more fun. It would, yeah. A lot more fun, but mm-hmm. you very well may be right that it might be the other imp from Morrison's Justice League I mean, of know, America. A technicality, word choice, but these Not are true. writers that like to be on the technicalities. I so. agree. No, 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 I agree. I we'll agree. see. Fair point, fair point. Uh, we'll see which one it is. <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm sure Snyder's got something oh, fun in yeah. store, no matter what. Absolutely. We then cut to Superman. This is the only Justice League we haven't seen yet. What mm-hmm. is his What is his paradise, his utopia? Yeah, It's a cold, barren, moon-like planet. And he's trying to fly away from it to escape, and he can't. He keeps crash-landing back. Every time he leaps in the air, he crash-lands back to the ground. Mm-hmm. And we hear a voice narrating that Superman's entire life has been one line that has led him right here to this location. Mm-hmm. Very bleak. And suddenly we see Sixth Dimension Superman appear, and he's like, let's talk, Clark. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. And I like, I didn't mention it before, but Sixth Dimension Superman is very cool. He's definitely like a messianic Superman. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he, he has white hair with a black beard, and he looks very godly. Yes. He's cloaked all in white and gold, so he clearly evoking the uh, you know, almighty-looking images, right, in his regal white and gold outfit that he has. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with the fact that Superman has always been a bit of a messianic character anyway at various True. times, particularly if JMS is writing a comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that is the long and short of the issue. I kind of I kind of just popped my, uh, my quick takes mm-hmm. as we were moving along, Stephen. Yes. So now that people have an eye, I, you know, I might as well finish it since I... <laughs> interjected my views all throughout the issue. I, I really enjoyed the issue. I really liked it. I thought the character work was fantastic. Scott Snyder clearly has a good handle of all these characters. He mm-hmm. understands their core traits. And, you know, you may think that's simple and that's easy. It's not. And writers screw up Brian Bendis. Characters' yeah. core traits all <laughs> the time. All the time because they want to write their story. Yeah. And not a story true to the characters. Mm-hmm. Snyder. He understands the core traits for each of these Justice League members, and he honors them, mm-hmm. and he does them justice by, by writing them really well. 
every character I think he has a good feel for. The character work continues to be really good in this title. Mm-hmm. The dialogue continues to be really good on this title. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a nice, unique external voice. You have fully fleshed out personalities, good chemistry. It continues to be well done. And the plotting and the pacing continues to be very good as well. This is a slow issue in that there is no action. Mm-hmm. There is no action. Yeah. So, okay, if you like action-packed issues, you might find this issue a bit lackluster. Yeah. You should have bought Damage. Right, exactly. If you want the action, that's, that's action-packed. Mm-hmm. But I think that the quality character work and the good story uh, world-building that is going on and the excellent plotting of all the multiple plot lines that he's sliding into place, mm-hmm. it's okay to have an issue that doesn't have wall-to-wall action that focuses a bit more on the character work mm-hmm. and the plotting and moving various plot lines around to sync up with each other. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think the great plotting and the great character work makes up for the lack of action. To me, yeah. I get some action fans may not agree, but to me, I think it more than makes up for it. Steven, what'd you think? Um, well, I agreed with everything you just said. I don't think that um, every good comic has to have action in it to be good. I think that, um, I mean, even just, I mean, because of course I, I go back to movies because that's just my frame of reference, but even sure. the first Superman movie has no action in it. Not yeah. really. Yeah, you're right. And it's still just as compelling yes. as anything, really. But um, yeah, I really I really enjoyed this as well. Um, I'm kind of curious as to what, you know, the... Not what the plot is. I know what the plot is, but right. like, what what is the reason that they're there? You know, like, what are what are right. we trying to to get out of them? I have an idea, of course, but um, and it involves why Superman isn't there. It's like reading this issue. I thought I was thinking a lot about um, Hickman's Avengers run, okay. like with the the cradling towards doom and whatnot in that one. Yep. And I felt like this was kind of one of those stories that we didn't see in that where. You know, they see the fruits of their labors, like, oh, well, you have to make this big sacrifice, but this is the reward for it. Right. So I kind of, I took it on its own merits, but I also thought about that, where it's like, oh, this is really interesting, because, you know, they are told, yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot, and you're going to have to put the entire multiverse at risk, but, you know, look at all this stuff. Right. Look what you did. It pays off. Exactly. And it... And like, you know, like with every utopia that isn't Star Trek, that's the only one that seems to work in fiction, <laughs> um, the, it, it's very unsettling mm-hmm. at points. The first clue that I got was when I saw that the Martian Manhunter's kid was named uh, Shane, which yes. is the, it's the human version of the word for um, Shane or shame with the, the Martian language. Yes. That I remembered back from the issue with him and Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's very, that's an odd choice. It is, yes. And going through seeing Good all pick their, up, by the way, there, Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like, am I crazy? And I went back and I read the, I think it, it was 18 was the one with yeah, them. And I was like, but it is the same, isn't it? It is the same, yeah. yeah. It's just shortened to right. an actual name. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So clearly something is here trying to clue them in because right. they don't, they don't catch it. Right. But, but I did. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really, I mean, like you said, the character work is great. He really, you know, understands not only what they want, but what would, you know, what would motivate them to do, you know, the unthinkable, basically. Yes. And what they're being asked to do is, it's like, yeah, you just let her do 
no, help her do what you want. And then at the end, you know, take the power back. Yep. That's a, to anybody with any logical sense. That's high risk. That's a bit, <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, 99% failure yeah. risk. Yes. And what I found very curious about it was that Superman was not there to hear mm-hmm. this story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because, like, over in Avengers with Captain America, he never would have gone with it at all. Correct. And what's what's also interesting is that they somehow thought it would work on Batman. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It was just bad the, idea, guys. <laughs> yeah, which is about he's uh, he's about as stubborn if not more so with that than Superman. Yeah. So, I think that's going to be an interesting unraveling point. Yeah. That's not oh crap. Well, we thought we had him. Mm-hmm. It's Dick Grayson. Come on, mm-hmm. man. No, but um yeah, so I mean, you really, you really nailed all the points that I would have made. I really like the art a lot. Oh, it, it is great is art, that, um, dude. Jorge Jimenez, Jimenez yeah. he is the man. He is. Wow, his art is just fantastic. I yeah. like his art a lot. Because the, I mean, the designs for all the six dimension Justice Leaguers is oh, looks great, fantastic. doesn't it? Yeah, 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 totally agree. And all the different worlds look are beautiful oh, to look yes. at. I love the yes. new Gotham. Like I thought it was Metropolis. So I it's know, like, look fantastic, just yeah. beautifully drawn. Mm-hmm. I agree. And um, I mean, because on that point, it was it had some of the humor where it's like, hey, it's the sun. Yeah, I know y- y'all don't know what it looks like, but. You know, it's there. Rumor has it, people like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I honestly don't have any complaints. Um, I'm very, I mean, I say this about every issue of this title, but I'm really excited to see what happens next. Agreed. Because, and with the stuff with Mr. Mix, Mix I can't say that Mr. name. Mixelplick. Mr. Mixelplick. Um, it's a cool I don't know where, where that came from. It's cool, what's though. going to happen, but it is very cool. Yeah, I like his character. He's a fun character. He's yes. a fun Silver Age character. He's super, super Silver Age, mm-hmm. which Snyder is showing on this title that he can take Silver Age stuff and really make it work mm-hmm. while still staying true to the to the to their Silver Age roots. Yeah. And what's curious with him is that I thought if he's turning into a demon and attacking that he would be with the Legion of Doom, but apparently he's not. No! So it's interesting. Who, who has him? Uh-huh. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be really fun to find. Yeah, out. Ugh, and, so good. No, I agree. The art is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I want more Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. I want more him. He's fantastic. But now that we've praised this issue, can we put, before we move past it? Can we just just put a just just <laughs> go back for one second and talk oh, about the go. single greatest character <laughs> of the Justice League? It is Jaro. Is it not, Stephen? Is this not the single? greatest character any DC writer has ever created in the entire DC universe since the 1930s. Is it not, Steven? Um, Why do I love this character so much? It's because he reminds you of your pug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. It is just, just, I mean, you're taking the most the single most iconic Justice League villain, mm-hmm. hands down. I mean, the Justice League, the, the Justice League of America, Silver Age Justice League of America, yeah, which was the Silver Age version of the Justice Society of America. But when mm-hmm. the Justice League was first created in the Silver Age, the first villain they fought was Starro. Starro. Yeah, he is the most iconic Justice League villain. Mm-hmm. To see him <laughs> made into this kind of character <laughs> is just awesome. <laughs> it is. Awesome. <laughs> in the dynamic between Batman and Jaro just 
entertains me like no other dynamic. <laughs> because Batman legitimately loves this little starfish. Mm-hmm. He legitimately loves him. <laughs> to the point where he worries about Jaro first when the <laughs> Hall of Justice gets attacked. Okay? He worries about Jaro first. He lets Jaro call him dad. Mm-hmm. Several times, even. <laughs> and just, this is a side of Batman you don't see. Yeah. You ever seen him be like that toward Dick Grayson? Or Jason Todd? Or <laughs> Tim Drake? Or any of the 50 billion Robins we've got? No. Or his own son. Or his own son, Damien. It's like he loves this starfish more than his adopted sons and his flesh and blood son. <laughs> I don't know. I just love it. Even. It's just great. This is just Scott Snyder brilliance. It really is. It is. It is. Star- Jaro's going down as the breakaway hit character from Scott mm-hmm. Snyder's run. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, and that's and honestly, he could have nothing else if he just had Jaro. It would be worth reading. Amen, brother. It really would. All right. Oh God. Okay. I gotta go hug my pug now. Um, <laughs> I think my my two sons would say that I love that pug more than them. <laughs> Okay, let's go over to... Wait, we got to score this time first. Oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> lost in my jar of love. How would you grade out Justice League number... This podcast has gone off the rails. How would you, how would you grade out Justice League number 20? Um, I would give... Um, <laughs> I would give this issue... I will give it... Um, I'll give the story um, eight, eight jar of fever dreams out of ten. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and I'll, I'll give the art. Um, I, it was. I mean, it was so good. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it nine. Uh, 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 Coco cosplaying as Jaro. Coco is my plug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, uh, Stephen. I'm gonna very similar to you. I'm gonna go eight night girls out of ten for the story. Eight night girls out of ten for the artwork. Mm-hmm. Big thumbs up. You gotta be reading Justice League. Sorry, yeah. you just gotta be reading it. Yeah, All right. The next DC title is Naomi number three. Oh. This issue is brought to us, the words, by Brian Bendis, and the artwork by, oh, I'm sorry, I've, I've, ooh, sorry. It's, it, the words are Brian Bendis and David Walker, my bad. Mm-hmm. The artwork is Jamal Campbell, he, and he does everything, he does the art, he also does the colors, so he's mm-hmm. doing pencils, inks, and colors, that's pretty impressive, you don't see that yeah. a lot in comics and spoiler, these days. He, and spoiler, he's damn good at oh, it. Oh, he is damn good. Mm-hmm. So this issue begins, uh, I mean, pretty much where I feel like issue number one left off, <laughs> and that's not a good sign. That says a lot. When you that. can, and let me tell you what, uh, you can skip number two, mm-hmm. literally three picks up right where number one ends. Yeah. Literally. That's, that's a bad sign, Stephen. That's a bad sign. And it's just, it's just Naomi talking to D. He's this big jacked up white guy with lots of tattoos who works on cars. Mm-hmm. And they're in his shop, and she just wants to know more about her, her uh, parents. And she thinks he's her dad because he he see she sees him with a photograph of him with a black woman, and they're in a loving embrace for the picture. And and he's like, "I ain't your mom. I ain't your dad. I'm from Thanagar." Bum bum bum, and. He's like, "You need to go away. I suffer from post traumatic distress. I hang out here in my." <laughs> garage (laughs) and you need to leave and he then tells her about how he and his his boo that she thought was her mom Mm -hmm. kayella or however you say it went across the universe as thanagar soldiers just doing their thing and one of their missions failed and they got stranded and they managed to open up a 
a portal to Earth where they could hide. They were in Gem World because mm-hmm. they got Ben's got to tie everything together, everything's yeah. doing because that's over in Young Justice. And before they could both get through the portal, his boo gets shot and killed. So she dies. Mm-hmm. He jumps through the portal and comes to Earth and is like, ah. So that's why he has lots of post-traumatic distress. <laughs> Okay. So they got right there at the end, too. They were just about to cross him. Just about to cross him. Bam! Right through the chest, she gets shot. Ugh. You hate when that happens. (laughs) And so, Dee's like, look, I can't tell you anything more, and I'm not who you think I am. I'm not, you know, who you're looking for. And then suddenly, the garage door to his shop opens up, and it's Naomi's adopted mom with a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. Nothing scarier than a middle-aged soccer mom and a baseball bat, Steven. Yep. And she goes all psycho. She screams at her daughter and smashes Dee's table with her bat and slaps Dee in the face. And he's just like, you know, cowering, even though he's 30 times bigger than her because he's got post-traumatic distress in him or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if Bendis's purpose was to make Naomi's mom come across like a complete unlikable bitch. But he did that. <laughs> I mean, totally did that. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, like, like really unlikable at this point. Yeah. Like, she looks like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And then we see Naomi in the car with her mom and dad. And she's like, look, I know he's from another, that D's from another planet. I, I need to know what's going on. And the dad's like, look, your mom and I are working up to tell you this and Look, we just got to take you somewhere. I just got to show you rather than tell you. It's one of those show and not tell kind of things. You got to come right. with me. Mm-hmm. Not the mom. The mom's like, nope, you got to go with your dad. This, this is between you and your dad. So the dad takes her into the forest and he's talking about how, you know, you know, you know one day you'll realize you love your kid so much. You love them more than your life itself and you'll do anything for your kid and blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's Bendis. It's just Bendis mm-hmm. is writing for himself and his daughter. Which is great. That's why the world invented letters. <laughs> Write your daughter a letter. Yeah. And so anyhow, <laughs> uh, he takes her to a cave, and in the cave, he triggers a little gizmo he has in his hand, and boom, there's a spaceship. Dun, dun, dun. And... Naomi goes, Dad, is this the spaceship you found me in? Because up until now, we've hinted that she has a connection to Superman, mm-hmm. and she's adopted, and keeps yeah. hinting that just like Superman, she's an alien mm-hmm. on Earth, blah, blah, blah. Well, Swerve, she's not an alien. She's a regular old human. The alien is her adopted father. Ba-bum. That's the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. And this is next, the beginning. Holy crap. <laughs> I thought the beginning was issue number one. You tell me I had to wait till issue number four to get to the beginning? Wow. Part three of the Steven, prologue. holy <laughs> crap. Look, I'm going to tell you, I thought the first issue was deathly boring mm-hmm. and slow. Yeah. It was everything. It was bad Bendis. Yeah. It was bad Bendis mixed up all together. Everything bad about Bendis is his... Bad Bendis speak, bad Bendis plotting, bad mm-hmm. Bendis pacing. It was everything he's bad at all wrapped up into one issue. Yeah. And it continues with this issue, Stephen. <laughs> the fact that I, that you could skip number two and start number three and not miss a, a damn thing mm-hmm. is not a good thing, Stephen. Yeah. And this is a slow issue. Stephen, mm-hmm. it goes on. A, that scene with her and D goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 
11 pages, Stephen, before the mom shows up, and he literally says nothing about Naomi. <laughs> we learn that D is from another planet, from Thanagar, but then learn that it he's that it has literally nothing to do with Naomi. So, oh, thanks for spending 11 pages on something that literally has zero to do with the story or the main character. Oh, my God. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just giving the middle finger to the reader saying, I just wasted your time for 11 pages <laughs> about literally nothing. And I had the character tell you, this is about literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And there's 11 pages. You could have gotten that information, Stephen, in far fewer pages. Far fewer pages. Mm-hmm. And the mom shows up, and it's one, two, three pages of her acting like a psychopath, which, again, wasn't really needed. Could have been done in, like, a page. And maybe mm-hmm. she wouldn't have looked as un... It's just as horrible. And then you get... One, two, three pages of them in the car mm-hmm. saying nothing again. L- like literally vacuous dialogue, Stephen. Who am I? I need to know who I am. Oh, we were thinking about telling you, but we don't, I don't know how to tell you. We were thinking about telling you, but we don't know how to tell But I don't know who I am. It's like, it, we got, oh my God. We, Naomi has literally recycled, I think, Stephen, the same five lines of dialogue over <laughs> three issues. <laughs> uh, seriously, it's stunning. And then you get one, two, three, four, five pages of the dad, the adopted father, and Naomi walking through the forest. Again, saying literally nothing. Literally nothing, Stephen. Maybe I'm overacting, but literally nothing could have been done that in two pages. And then you end it with, okay, fine. We finally got a swerve. She's not the alien. The dad is. Mm -hmm. But we don't care. The reason why we don't care is because the character work is non-existent. Naomi has no personality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There is zero personality. She is a cardboard cutout. There's no depth to her character. There's no texture to her character. There's no nuance to her character. She has zero identifiable personality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Her voice is as bland and as generic as humanly possible because she has nothing to say other than, am I adopted? I mean, uh, who, who are my adopted parents? Am I an alien? Who are my adopted parents? Am I an alien? Who are my adopted parents? Am I an alien? It, it, it's terrible. There are animatronics in Disney World, Stephen, with more personality than this character. It is abysmal. I have no idea who Bendis is writing this comic for other than his adopted daughter. Great! I'm glad you love your adopted daughter enough to write her a comic book. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure why DC's publishing it, but that's cool. That's great. Maybe you could have made this like a bedtime story that you told her. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd been kind of cool. My dad made up a really cool bedtime story for me that he told me, and it was a really long story that lasted three years. <laughs> That's neat, but I, I don't know who else, who is the target audience. This is, a, this is the answer to a question no comic book fan was asking. Maybe I'm missing it, Stephen. Tell me where I'm wrong. Um... I mean, the only the only thing that I would say slightly different is that this just wasn't as much torture to read as the first issue was. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe what didn't kill me was that she just doesn't say much in this issue. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I hate to say that, but it's just he. Did, I mean, we've we've talked about him and his um, his. Um, when he feels like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is my kid, yes, or something, 
he doesn't really write them that well. <laughs> no, no. So I mean, that like you know, the Ironheart. Yes, wasn't a character until right. somebody else got it. Yeah, um, absolutely, very, very true. And uh, Miles Morales wasn't really a character either. Yep. Um, it's. I mean, you're right. It's 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 just boring. It's mm-hmm. you know nobody want like if for something like this. Like I want to be interested. Like cause it seems like a mystery, and I like mm-hmm. mystery stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, okay, well, cool. Let's go on this. But I'll be honest. I didn't read issue two. I thought we were hey. done after issue one. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so when you saw this, uh, you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of nervous. I was like, oh, did I miss anything? And no, I no. didn't. Um, no, you didn't miss a thing. Yeah, and it, I mean the stuff with D, like it's moderately interesting, <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. Um, it's like cool. He's from Thanagar. Is everybody in this town an alien? Now that would be a kind of interesting. That Where did interesting. they all come from? You know, all right. different species and whatnot. Um, species, <laughs> species, <laughs> species. Oh God, sorry. Um, we don't need any more species. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just. God, I can't, I can't muster anything positive to say about the writing, other than that it just was not as terrible as the first one, and right. it's still not good. And I don't it's know who's just, to blame more, Bendis or or Walker. I don't, I don't think it's Walker because um, I've never read anything the, by Walker. To be honest, I, full yeah. disclosure, I've never read anything by Walker. Sure, so I, I, can't, I, I can't pick out his writing. Um, I have read. I know he wrote us one of the cyborg comics. I don't know if that was any good or not, but he okay. wrote um, he wrote Shaft, the Shaft comics for Dynamite, okay. which are great. But that's okay. because he's dealing with a character who doesn't talk a whole lot, <laughs> and right. he, that's how I knew. I was like, "There's no way. <laughs> There's no way he wrote this." <laughs> um, and it's just, it's just bland. Is the best I can say. It's yep. bland. Agreed. And now the art is not bland. Dude, um, Jamal Campbell mm-hmm. deserves to be on a real title. Yeah. Get him off this crap title <laughs> and give this man a real title to draw yes. already. Damn it, DC. Because Campbell is the shit. Mm-hmm. He has some awesome artwork. And let me tell you what. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, when the parents are driving her, that is a Chevrolet Cruze. And all of its bland boringness, because that's bland, boring uh, uh, white bed parents that she has. And they would drive a bland, boring Chevrolet Cruiser. And that's exactly what it looks like. God bless him for absolutely nailing it. I'm surprised. <laughs> and in D's shop, that is clearly a late 1960s Mustang, beautifully uh, drawn, that is up on a lift. And directly behind D is a g- Gorgeous late '60s Corvette Stingray, beautifully drawn, mm-hmm. highly detailed. So you know me. Any yeah. artist that can deliver detailed automobiles, uh, <laughs> this gearhead is going to appreciate. Yeah. But my point is, Campbell has amazing attention to detail in his artwork. Mm-hmm. The backgrounds are beautifully drawn, beautifully detailed. The characters are wonderfully drawn. The facial expressions are extremely detailed, extremely emotional. Mm-hmm. Dee's face, very powerful. I mean, Naomi, of course, no, zero personality. All she's there is just to look amazed. <gasps> you know, mouth open, <laughs> eyes wide, <gasps> every panel. 
That's all she does. But D has a wide range of expressions. You know, he really looks mournful and soulful. The parents, you know, the psychotic wackiness and soccer mom, <laughs> uh, she goes crazy. Wonderful emotion, though. Like, she looks like she's unhinged. And the dad, excellent emotion as well. Very loving, very calm, very caring. Campbell's artwork is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He deserves better than this. Yeah, he does. He deserves so much more than this. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, how would you grade out Naomi number three? Um, I don't remember what I gave the first issue. I know it was one. <laughs> so, uh, because I didn't want to just give up on life reading this one, um, <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give the writing a three, and I'll give the art. God, I would have given it a nine, but he didn't have really anything. Well, okay, you know what? Okay, I'm just gonna give it a nine because he did have he got to have some laser shoots mm-hmm. in there. So he did. there you go. He did. He did. And he deserves it anyway. Absolutely agree. <laughs> I'm gonna give the story. I mean, it's just there's nothing there. It's two night girls out of ten. Mm-hmm. And the artwork, nine night girls out of ten. Fantastic looking issue. All right, Steven. Let's go over to the mouse. Uh what does the mouse have for us this week? He has, let's start with uh, Avengers 17, shall we? All right. This issue brought to us Jason Aaron doing the words and David Marquez doing the art. Eric Arseniego doing the colors. And we begin in a classified location. Dracula has seen all of his uh, lovers uh, sliced and diced in front of him by the Red Widow. Worst new character ever. (laughs) So generic. And... They've gotten all the information out of Dracula that they needed. Kremlin doesn't want Dracula killed, so they decide to take Dracula somewhere, to, uh, keep him in, uh, you know, banished somewhere where if they ever need him in the future, they can go get him. Mm-hmm. That's the long and short of it. I like, how, I do like how Ursa Major, the clear breakout character of Avengers. Yes, clear breakout character. All the rest are to call them, um, to call them bland or generic is probably a compliment <laughs> uh, considering all the rest of the character work. But he is actually hilarious. He's mm-hmm. fantastic. I like how Red, Red, Red uh, a Widow's like, do you, do, you, do you disapprove of my methods? Mm-hmm. And he's like, eh, I find I'm actually a little too clean for me. <laughs> 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 and he goes, hey, you want me to eat Dracula, by the way? <laughs> I just, he's the best character. I, I swear, just... Take Aaron off Avengers because he doesn't know what he's doing and put him on an Ursa major title because I would buy the hell out of that, Steven, mm-hmm. and it would be awesome Yes, because he pairs up with Aaron's style of writing perfectly, like really does. <laughs> that grindhouse, cheesy mm-hmm. style of writing that Aaron has, perfect for yeah. Ursa major. God, it would be awesome. <laughs> Okay, so I found out the undisclosed location where they drop, where they are going to leave Dracula. It is in the Ukraine. It is the Chernobyl exclusion zone. There you go. There you go. All right, perfect place for a vampire. Nice. <laughs> we then cut to Russia, and it's a prison break. All the prisoners have turned into vampires, and they're attacking the prison guards. And out of nowhere comes the Avengers, mm-hmm. and we see that the the Legion of the Unliving have uh it appears that they have killed the entire red guard steven I, first of all the scene transition sucks <laughs> i mean i cannot tell you how horrible 
This <laughs> this is just horrid writing. The scene transition is abysmal. Aaron should be embarrassed because you go from seeing the Red Guard finishing questioning Dracula and Dracula being dropped off in the Chernobyl zone to the Red Guard all dead. And you're like, did I... Did my pages get printed out of order? Did I fall unconscious and suddenly get, you know, time-lapsed somewhere else? What what, what the hell happened? I mean, your head is spinning. You're like, I don't know. We, what, what, this is alternate reality. You don't know what the hell's going on, Stephen, at all. Okay? It's just horrible. And to kill off the Red Guard would be mind-bogglingly stupid because they're fantastic characters. Of course, the only one that's not dead is the shittiest of all the characters, Red <laughs> Widow, that nobody gives a crap about because she is generic, strong female, in quotes. <laughs> that's all she has to do her personality. She's the worst. I mean, really, I'm just waiting for Black Widow to show up and beat the hell out of Red Widow. That's what I'm rooting for, Steven. Yeah. That's what I really what I'm rooting for now. Black Widow needs to kick her ass. Mm. Anywho, yeah. the rest of the Avengers are on the scene. So you've got Thor, uh, Carol, uh, uh, Danvers, <laughs> trucking your way, and She-Hulk, looking like the Hulk, mm-hmm. Iron Man, Captain America, Blade, who gets to say the Avengers Assemble line. I don't know why. <laughs> that makes no sense. And... The leader of the team, Black Panther, not even in the center of the shot, not saying the Avengers Assemble line. Mm-hmm. Poor Black Panther. That dude has gotten the shaft on Aaron's run. <laughs> I know he's technically the leader. Yeah. He's gotten the shaft. I mean, he's leader by name, but that character. Yeah. Yeah. Not so great in this run. And, of course, Blade narrates this whole scene. Mm-hmm. Aaron should just write a Blade comic. Yeah. Rather than having Blade on the team. Mm-hmm. You can tell who Aaron likes yeah. and who he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's not hard to figure out. He doesn't hide it at all. He doesn't have it even remotely. He's not good at all at hiding it. And if you're a writer on a team title, you either need to like all the characters mm-hmm. or you need to learn how to fake it. <laughs> One of the two, but you can't be blatant and like, I think all these are crap and I'm not going to literally spend an ounce of effort trying to grow or flesh out their characters or give them good dialogue, and I'm going to mm-hmm. focus all my attention on these two. Yeah. You can tell this. You can tell he loves Blade. Mm-hmm. Blade gets all the dialogue. Yeah. Blade's the center of attention. You can tell he loves Ursa Major. He's the only one of the Red Guard that has a personality. Mm-hmm. You can tell who he likes. Yeah. You can tell. I do think he likes Robbie Reyes as well, despite the character not being good. Yeah. it's a larger I mean what can Aaron do he can't do but so much but yeah. he gives him a lot of attention but you can tell he has zero interest in the other characters I mean yeah. it's obvious that's why Avengers was a weird match for a writer like Jason Aaron in the very first place mm-hmm. he should be writing titles like Ghost Rider like Ursa Major like Blade mm-hmm. he should be writing titles that deal with more horror or street level characters he mm-hmm. should be writing titles that allow more of a grindhouse approach that's what suits his talents mm-hmm. okay Anywho, Avengers battling the Legion of the Unliving, and we see that uh, we see that Thor brought his dog Thori along, <laughs> and Thori attacks Sarge. That would be uh, Shadow Colonel's dog, mm-hmm. Demon Dog. <laughs> and we see during the fight that you know Shadow Colonel has Boy Fang on him, mm-hmm. yeah, the baby version of Man Thing. Yep, <laughs> and he's fighting Blade, and Blade chops off a leg, uh, and then. Okay, we cut away to Dracula back at Chernobyl, 
And he's like, I'm eating some birds, sucking their blood, and I'm going to come back. They thought this was a coffin. Well, they forgot that vampires love coffins. <laughs> like, that's the sound I imagine when I'm reading his dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> In the background. I, um, yeah, I also like to imagine that he just kind of walks around and goes, good evening. Yes! <laughs> yes. Good evening. Yes. Avengers. And then we cut back to the Avengers, still find the Legion of the Unliving, and we see mm. the Black Panther wants to heal them all. He wants to create a cure, and he even is fighting Snow Shadow, whatever his name is. <laughs> and he snow no Snow Snake, sorry Snow Snake, and he's like, I will. I've brought all the cures in my little kitty cat claws, and I'll inject you with them. I'm trying to <laughs> cure you of your vampirism, and Blade narrating the whole scene, of course. And he's like, Yeah, you know, dumb Black Panther. He thinks you can cure stuff. There's no cure. The only cure, the only cure for a for a uh, a vampire is chopping the head off. And so we see Blade still battling Shadow Colonel, and he lops off an arm, and it's become, it's starting to turn into that Monty Python skit. <laughs> the Black Knight, it's just a flesh wound. And he keeps battling him, and then Ghost Rider shows up, because Shadow Colonel kind of gets the upper hand on Blade for a second, and Ghost Rider Roddy Ray shows up and punches him. Kind of a sucker punch, but whatever. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Now, for some apparent reason, uh, Boy Thing is now on Blade's back and is morphed with him. Mm-hmm. Why? Ooh, yeah. Aaron ain't telling you. <laughs> it just happens. Okay. Uh, and Black Panther's like, don't do it. He's beaten. Blade, stand down. We don't kill. That's not how the Avengers operate. And Blade's like, well, I guess I'm about to quit the Avengers. And Black Panther's like, no, you're not. We believe in you. And then, whoop, Blade hacks off Shadow Colonel's head. And Black Panther's like, damn it. And oh, I, just, I, I read it more like um, like somebody like on the office like, damn it, Eric. <laughs> yes, yes. And Black Panther's like, we'll talk about what you deserve when we head back to the mountain. And Blade's like, who said I was going back? It's just, just nobody wins in this interaction. There's, yeah. there's, it, it, no one wins. Black Panther, just, he's supposed to, he just comes across like a punk. Yeah. Slade pulls his up. Uh, Slade, uh, Blade pulls his punk card, mm-hmm. and just, it just Black Panther looks like such a bitch in this issue. And that's just not how I view Black Panther. It's just no. not. And uh, well, you think he would know better than to bring somebody like Blade along and expect him to play by his rules. Yeah, and then we see, you know, Rat Bomber, one of the uh, Legion of the Unliving, he's sicked all his rats on She-Hulk, and she's starting to, she can't control herself, and she erupts in a big, massive nuclear mushroom. Mm -hmm. So if you're writing a story, Stephen, what are two, where are, I would say, two countries you might want to avoid a story referencing nuclear explosions? One would be Japan, mm-hmm. the other would be Russia, i.e. Chernobyl, we sure. just saw earlier in this issue. Mm-hmm. It's just a little tacky. Mm-hmm. It's a little tacky. Yeah. Not that I guess anyone from Russia is reading the comic, but whatever. I mean, I thought we were in a day and age where we had to be hypersensitive, right? Yeah. I guess Russians don't count. Um, we're only hypersensitive when we want to be. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I just thought it was a little tacky. And, and second of all, it, it's a massive nuclear mushroom. It's a huge nuclear mushroom. But everybody's okay. (laughs) Iron Man, Captain America, they're fine. Yeah. Black Panther, Blade, Ghost Rider, they're fine. What 
kind of nuclear explosion is this? I'm confused. Mm -hmm. How is that possible? So I'm guessing that means we didn't just incinerate millions of Russians in this nuclear explosion. I'm guessing, since our heroes somehow magic... It doesn't make... I don't... Aaron's not explaining it to you. <laughs> He's not explaining... Do, do you know what's going on here? How did this ever survive a nuclear explosion? I don't get it. Again, She-Hulk is a mess anyway in this issue. Yeah. On this title. Mm -hmm. We cut back to the Avengers Mountain, and guess who's still part of the team? Blade! Yeah. Why?! <laughs> I don't understand. He just killed someone, violated the orders of the leader, and he's just kind of the team leader. Black Panther's like, mm, okay, not fine, mm -hmm. no big. What? And why is man? Why is Boy Thing still attached to to, to, to Blade? <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know. But Blade's like, I guess I'm an Avenger. Uh, I figure I'll stick around till the Dracula business is done. So until then, I guess I'm an Avenger. Like, wait, wait, isn't it Black Panthers? call to make whether he's a member of the team isn't it at least a membership vote that he stays as a teammate I, I don't think Blade gets to make that call it's either the leader of the team Black Panther or the membership votes one of the other has to happen am I am I crazy here I don't know I don't get it then we cut back to Chernobyl and the Legion of the Unliving have brought the head of Shadow Colonel with them and given it to Dracula and Dracula goes, ah, my son. And Shadow Colonel barely says, father, is this it our promised land that I see? It's beautiful. And Dracula goes, yes, it is. You did well, boy. And then throws his head over his shoulder. I, wh wait, what? <laughs> I don't, what is going on, Steven? This doesn't make sense. It's his son. And he tells me he did well, and he tosses... Is, is he happy for his son? Is he sad? Is he mad? Is he... I, why does he... What is going on here? These characters act in weird ways. They just... It's, it's weird. And so Dracula's like, welcome to our kingdom of the vampires. Okay. I, I don't know, Stephen. This, this issue was a hot mess. <laughs> it's just a dumpster fire. <laughs> It's, I, I will say, if you are an action fan, mm -hmm. you will get, this This issue is almost all action. Yeah. I mean, like there's like maybe five pages that don't have action. Mm -hmm. And this issue is the opposite of Justice League number 20. This is wall-to-wall -wall oh, yeah. action. You want action, you get action, and mm. a ton of it. Lots of action. Yeah. But you're sure as hell not going to get a story that has makes any sense. It's sloppy. The plotting is sloppy. The character work sucks. It just sucks, dude. It's just, I don't, there's no way around it. This character work is atrocious. Thor, zero personality. Captain, uh -uh. <laughs> Carol Danvers, zero personality. Uh, Captain America, beige. Black Panther, beige. She-Hulk, beige. Iron Man, beige. No one has, a, there's no personalities to these characters. They're cardboard cutouts, Stephen. They have zero personality. The dialogue, other than Blade getting like cheesy groundhouse dialogue, all the rest of them just get generic dialogue. Mm -hmm. Generic dialogue. Oh, I take it back. She-Hulk gets stereotypical Hulk dialogue, yeah. which sucks. And Carol uh -uh, Danvers <laughs> gets like stereotypical, uh, you know, G.I. Joe extra. Uh, uh, talk. Um, she only says one line in the comics, Stephen. 
Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that one line, <laughs> they arrive at the Russian prison, and vampires are beating up the Russian guards, and she goes, and, she's, and she says, in Russian. She mm-hmm. speaks Russian. Listen to me. You boys can still wake up tomorrow back in your cells or in the prison infirmary, or you can wake up at, you cannot wake up at all. Choice is yours. Hoo-ha! <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, what? So Avengers do kill? Because Black Panther just said Avengers don't kill, but Captain <laughs> Carol Danvers is clearly implying that I'm either going to kill you or you can lay down. <laughs> One of the two. It, it's a lack of internal logic that mm-hmm. runs rampant throughout the issue. Mm-hmm. So you get crap character work, crap dialogue, zero internal logic. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. What'd you think, Steven? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, uh, maybe I was just in the mood for some, for some dumbness, but <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it fine. I, I think this is emblematic of what the, the, the title itself is it's not it's not deep there's no character work there's no um i mean i can't say there's not long-term plotting it's like he (laughs) he established he took an issue to say oh there's all these plots yes and then i guess we're just gonna hit them one at a time yes i suppose uh which i mean it's not a terrible way to to do it but Mm um and some of the stuff i mean some of the stuff is just dumb but like um, like I remember when Ghost Rider took control of the Celestial. That is like that's dumb, but I thought it was kind of cool <laughs> at the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. like oh well, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then you might as well just go all the way for it. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think that in this issue is Blade. I mean, I think Blade, of course, because I imagine it's Wesley Snipes. So <laughs> it's it doesn't matter what he looks like; he's Wesley Snipes <laughs> to me. And of course. When you think of that, you think that he's just awesome. And mm-hmm. in this, he does come across like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude somehow survives getting like heat visioned like three times <laughs> with no problem. Yes. And um and, I mean and I know that this shows the weakness with the other characters, but I like the mode where he just cut Shadow Colonel's head off. <laughs> just didn't care. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I knew that was coming, but it was still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And um And of and the 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 Thory lines made me laugh. Yes, <laughs> yes. Thory, king of all dogs. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so that was that was fun. That reminds mm-hmm. me of some of the 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 funny stuff from his Thor run that mm-hmm. I wish kind of carried over here because mm-hmm. he handles those characters a lot better. Yep. But yeah, it's it's one of those things I can't. I can't say it's good, but I mean, as I was entertained, it was. I didn't think it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I didn't think it was in total terrible. Mm-hmm. I thought there was enough action and you know whatever to keep me from just outright dismissing it. Right. But it's still not very good. It's definitely not. Ju- I mean, to say it's not Justice League is like saying, "Oh my you god, know, it's, it, it's it such a wide gap." Yeah, it couldn't hold Justice League's jock. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not even to me. It's not even what they're doing with 
X Men now that Logan nope. and Scott are back now. It's Agreed. not even like that. No, so. no, X Men's better now. Yeah, it's been a long time since that was the case. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, back when you had Fraction writing it, and then Bendis was writing the Avengers, it was like, wow, which which the, one's worse? The title, which title can suck more <laughs> ass? Is it X Men or Avengers? Sunday. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it. I don't know. I. You know, sometimes if you're in the mood for something like this, then you know, go for it, and you'll mm-hmm. and you'll like it. But I, I can't I can't recommend it on any more than just a base level of. Mm-hmm. Well, if you like things that blow up, here right. we go. Right, and right. that's very unfortunate. Yep, indeed. Mm-hmm. So, how would you grade out Avengers number seventeen? Um, and I just want to say the art I think is um, it's. It's okay. It's serviceable. Yeah. It, it gets across what you need to get across. There's not really much detail. It's a, nah. it's a lot of chaos. Yeah. And I mean, I get it's, it's a lot of, it's chaotic. It's super skimpy sure. on the detail. Yeah. Especially and when you compare it to uh, Campbell's art on Naomi mm-hmm. 3. The direct yeah. opposite. They should just switch those two. Right. You know. But, um. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, well. So I'll give it, uh, I'll give it a six. And the writing, I will give a five. All right, there you go. Yeah. I will go. Um, let's see. I will go with the writing. Um, just the I, I I like dumb fun, but dumb fun still needs internal logic and actual character work yeah. somewhere to be found, and this has neither. I will give it two night girls out of ten for the writing, mm-hmm. and I'll give the artwork. It's six night girls out of ten. It's serviceable. It's fine. It neither offends nor pleases. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right, my friend. Let's move on to hopefully something a little bit better. Sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Guardians of the Galaxy number three. <laughs> this issue brought to us words Donnie Coates. Cates, sorry. Artist Jeff Shaw. Colorist is Marte Gracia. We see Eros, Star Fox, in a wheelchair, face all messed up. Talking to his, the, uh, thinking about Thanos and kind of doing a little soliloquy about how he wonders if Thanos, uh, you know, he always, always uh, uh, was the little titan. Eris was always the little titan to Thanos, who was the big famous titan. And he always looked up to his brother, Thanos, and he wonders if his destiny is to become his brother, Thanos. Okay. It was a long scene for not much and not really a fan of this version of Star Fox. It's pretty boring. <laughs> And we then cut to the negative zone where Hela and the, what is it? This is the Black Order, isn't that their name? Yeah. yeah such a boring collection of characters that nobody likes. <laughs> the uh, Hela's here for Thanos' head that Anilis' bugs are playing with. And then it's like, I ain't giving it to you. And she's like, bup, 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 beats up Anilis and says, give it to me. Okay. Then we oh, move go. to a random planet in the universe. Richard Ryder, woo woo, crash lands. <laughs> and we see the team of Gladiator, Nebula, mm-hmm. and Cosmic Ghost Rider, and some other people with them on the scene. And they're like, tell us where Gamora is. And Nova's like, I ain't telling you. And he blasts them. And then we see the character Raph, who, gosh, first appeared in 2007 during the, Anil- the Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Story arc, uh, and he's uh, uh, can't die, doesn't tire, doesn't feel pain. Oh dear, that's not a good combination. No. <laughs> and so he tells uh, Richard Ryder that you are going to tell me where where uh, Gamora is. Mm-hmm. 
and then Cosmic Ghost, I was like, everybody chill out. Let me talk to him. And he turns into his human form. Got long white hair, white beard. And he's like, man, I don't want to kill nobody either, but you know, at this point, you know what Gamora is capable of, what Thanos is capable of, and right now it's time to pick a side. And Richard Rod was like, I have. Boom! Takes off. Glad I was like, after him. Cosmic Ghost was like, dude, that's Richard Ryder. No one can catch him, not even me. And uh, then Nebula's like, let him run. We'll track him. He's beaten. He's outmatched. He's done. We can take him out. It's not a big deal. And by the way, where do you think he's running to? Gamora. We then cut to the Ryder, named for Winona, not Richard. Mm -hmm. And we see that Peter Quill (laughs) has been drinking, and he's curled up in a ball in his bed, and he roots at the door like, come on, universe is falling apart. We got to go do something. And he's like, I'm dead. Just, I don't care anymore. Groot's like, it's about your father. And I got to tell you, Stephen, I do not like Groot talking. Yeah. Don't like it. It ruins the charm of the character. The charm of the character was the Groot. I am Groot. Groot. I just, it was just, that's the charm of the character. Him talking just makes him, it's just, yeah. 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 Just takes away what made that character so much fun. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, it's about your dad. Open the door, open the door. And he opens the door, and Groot's like, ah, surprise, your dad's fine. We just wanted to get you to open the door. And he's like, oh, get out of here. And they're like, look, we're going to go save Gamora. We're going to save them. Eros, uh, Star Fox has got his crew, Guardian, and all the rest, trying to hunt her down. We're going to save her. And Star Fox, and, uh, sorry, uh, Star-Lord's like, she tried to kill me. You guys weren't there. He goes, I'm done being pushed around. I'm over all this. And he takes a big swig of his drink. And then Groot's like, you know what? We're not asking for permission. And they walk off. And Quill's like, you don't even know where she is. And Groot's like, I'm going to tell him where it is. And he's like, you can't tell him. That's a family secret. And he's like, well, the Guardians are our family. And they're now Guardians. And then they're all on the bridge. And Quill is all pissed. He's like, you can't take control of my ship. And Groot's like, actually, I can. I'm now the captain. And you either you're now relieved of your command, or if you don't chill out, the second officer is going to put you into the brig. And he's like, second officer, and you see, all you see, I, I, this is a great panel because all you see, you see Quill's face, and all you see is this massive broad chest behind him. <laughs> you don't see the neck or the head, just massive broad chest of Beta Ray, Beta Ray Bill. Mm-hmm. And Quill's like, second officer, oh, whoa, oh, well. Okay, well, it's a good thing that, you know, you're an eight-foot-tall Asgardian horse carrying a hammer. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I would. And Beta Ray's like, oh, of course, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and Quill's like, still my ship. And, and, uh, and uh, Philavelle's like, of course, Peter. <laughs> and so he's like, well, we're going to go to Half-World because that's where Gamora is. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, she's gone after Rocket. And you see Gamora on a planet with a big gun staring off on the horizon. Yes. And that is the end of the issue. Uh, Steven, uh, you know, I love DNA's Guns of the Galaxy. I adored it, adored it, adored it. Mm-hmm. It was easily the best comic book that Marvel was making back when Marvel uh, was suffering from Bendis-itis <laughs> with the <laughs> Avengers and too many big events. Yeah. And DNA's Guardians of the Galaxy was just brilliant, and DNA is what made Guardians of the Galaxy a popular title. Mm-hmm. It's what, to be quite frank, uh, it's not James Gunn that made the Guardians great, it's DNA. James Gunn clearly looked at DNA's mm-hmm. run for yeah, his source even, material. they even said it. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's what made the movie so fantastic. And unfortunately, you know, Donnie Cates is a, is a solid writer, but mm-hmm. this roster is not the Guardians of the Galaxy. 
There is, you don't have the same level of character work at all that you had on DNA's Guardians. You don't have the same level of team chemistry at Mm -hmm. all that you had on DNA's Guardians at all. The dialogue was great under DNA. The chemistry was phenomenal. It felt real. It felt genuine. It felt like a family. The character work was amazing. It was that amazing character work and dialogue that really drove that title. Mm -hmm. And it's totally lacking here. This roster just feels like a hodgepodge roster cobbled together. Mm -hmm. None of the characters click with each other. There's real, no one has a personality other than Peter Quill. Mm -hmm. Nobody does. And the group of heroes hunting Nova and Gamora led by uh, the guardian is just, they're all kind of bland as well. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's, it's, it's got, it's, it's, got potential mm-hmm. it definitely has potential there is a cool plot line here mm-hmm. it's just it suffers it doesn't have any compelling villains either hella is not a compelling villain i'm sorry i know they used her in the movie therefore they got to use her in the comic she's never been a compelling villain she's never been a popular villain ever 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 i don't care how many movies you want to put her in she just mm-hmm. hasn't been no. and the black order is just i love jonathan hickman but they, those are just jabronis. <laughs> they are just generic well, bad guys. Th- and they're definitely so now that he's not writing them. Yeah. So, so you know, I, there's a core, there's a kernel of a great story here. Mm-hmm. The story has great potential, but it falls apart with the collection of characters that we've assembled and the just the lack of personality and character work to these aforementioned characters. It just kind of misses for me. I want to love it. I really want to love it, Stephen, but it misses for me. Yeah, um... It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's sure. not bad. It's sure. not bad. This is not like with Avengers or Naomi. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just not... It's not... Gr- it could be so good. Yeah. It could be so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just falling way short of what we have gotten before on this title. Yeah. And I don't know. Not everything uh, could be... D- it's not fair to compare it well, to DNA's card. Yeah. That's not it's, fair. But it's, it's at the like, same time... Yeah. You you know, yeah. It's like it's expectations like, are there. You know, yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't. You don't There's certain jobs you're gonna get. You know, you don't take over. Uh, you know, you don't take over the L.A. Lakers if you want. <laughs> if you just want to be a mediocre basketball team. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't replace uh, Coach Shashevsky because it's March Badness. You don't place Coach Shashevsky on Duke without expectations of what mm-hmm. he did there before you got there. Mm-hmm. So. It is not fair to compare it entirely to DNA, but at the same time, that is the standard. Yeah. Try to live up to it. Yeah, that's true. But anyhow, sorry. But again, it's not bad. It just, <laughs> it's not bad. It just doesn't hit the highs it should or could. Well, I think that this title suffers from a condition that I call TMCGO, which is short for too much crap going on. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, for it true. to be so early in the run, there's a lot. There's a lot of characters. Yes. There's a lot of. I mean, they're all heading towards the same goal, but yes. there's like different plots in between. Agreed. All the different characters. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants something different. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was afraid of when I first saw that cover, and they had all of those cosmic characters there. I mean, yes. it's exciting, but it's like... That's a lot. Well, how are you going to handle all that? And I thought they did because they removed so many of they them did. from the scene, but mm-hmm. then some of them are back mm-hmm. inexplicably, mm-hmm. like the, the Gladiator and um, mm-hmm. uh, Nebula and all that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know how they got back, but but whatever. Um, 
but it's I feel I feel like that's the problem. It's just that there's too much here going on. And honestly, I mean the Guardians, you're right, they're not the Guardians. They're they're Peter Quill and Groot who are Guardians. There's Moon Dragon and Phyla who I mean, I like Moon Dragon, but mm-hmm. Phyla, I, I love your quote about her where she, you know, she failed at being Quasar. She failed at being Captain Marvel. She fails at being herself. Yes. She's, she's yes. failure. Yes. She's a boring character. She is. She's and terrible. They're not, I don't even, she only gets that one line of the, yes, Peter. Yeah, exactly. And um, I love Beta Ray Bill. He's a great character. I love doing the Mr. Ed voice when I, you know. Yes. Okay, Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, if they. If they had wanted to use this as like a stealth relaunch of like the Annihilators, then you know, mm-hmm. sure, because yep. those characters I really love, and that was another DNA yes, title indeed. for a bit. Indeed, but I don't know. And I mean, Star Fox, I know you. If he's not in oh. that that suit, you don't you don't nope. love it. Nope, um, very disappointed. But I mean, some Give of that. Give me the real Star Fox. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it, it. And like you said, not none of it is bad. No, at no, not all. at all. It's just that I, I really feel like we're just jumping around. Try, I feel like I'm missing the I'm missing the plot here. Like, yep. how about we take some time to bond with these characters that mm-hmm. we have together, show how they connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I know the cosmic ghost rider is his is his baby. Yes, but so you're gonna get it. My God, <laughs> it, it I know it's supposed to be Frank Castle. It doesn't sound like Frank Castle. Doesn't look like him. Either. Doesn't look like him. Long white hair and a white beard. Yeah, it. it I I don't I don't get it. He looks really you know? skinny for Frank Castle too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I, I think it's supposed to be from another universe or whatnot. Right, he but is. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I find that character to be a little. A little dumb. I mean, he's yes. better than Robbie Reyes, just for oh god know, purposes of <laughs> fair point. He is better than Robbie Reyes. <laughs> that is true. But um, yeah, that one he's that is a miss with me. And I don't. I mean, I like seeing Nova. Oh yeah, Richard Ryder is awesome. Yeah, and he. I mean, I think he gets his his good like kind of hero moment of you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn my friend over and trying to fight and all that. Yeah, it's just. I mean. The problem is that there's good pieces. It's just it feels like you know, it feels like a bunch of dots hanging in the air, but connected. nobody's connected them yet. Yeah, agreed, totally agree. It's like they're right; they're in a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's absolutely just like take the time to Connect cross them. it in. Yeah. Even if you have to drop, even if you have to drop Hella for an issue, just to give right. more time to these characters. That's I agree. Fine. I, I totally. I think you nailed it with that. That's exactly yeah. it. And I and I cannot stress how tired I am of seeing Thanos in a comic book. Oh God, me Let too. Let it we go. Need to, it's already. back. It, it reminds me a lot when Dark when uh, DC was overusing Dark. Yeah, Dark Side. Side way too much. And you're like, dude, nobody loves the character more than me. Trust sure. me, okay. Yeah. But even I was like. Bro, you gotta put that character away for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's a per. I'm not gonna knock the issue for that, you know. Right, right. Well, that's, that's editorial. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm I'm a little disappointed because I mean, mm-hmm. I like I like Donny Cates. He's a good writer. Yeah, he's a very good writer. I like I like his his stuff on Venom. It's very mm-hmm. fun. It's mm-hmm. it's exactly what that title needs to be. Yes. I'm just kind of looking for that here because it's not it's not very fun. Mm-mm. I mean, some of the lines are funny. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I assume that you know they're all they're all trying to get to the same location, uh, right? Exactly. And 
And it, why do you have to punk out a nihilist like that? I know, right? Come on, man. He's a heavy Come hitter. On. Yeah, he's a, a he's a great character. And this, you yeah. know, this this character that only got popular because of Kate Blanchett's Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer as Catwoman cosplay. Yeah. Just punks him out. Yeah, it's like, come effort. on now. Come on, man. Come on. I do Aeneas better than that. Yeah. But it, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it, like I said, it's definitely not bad. There is a lot of potential. Yes, there it's, is potential. And some of the stuff here is good. It's mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for it all to come together. Absolutely agree. And three issues in, it's like, come on. Like, we're, 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 we're running the clock here. <laughs> I totally agree. Totally so. agree. And Jeff Shaw's art, Stephen, I got to be honest with you, uh, is my personal preference. And sure. people obviously... Art, very subjective, and mm-hmm. people like different things. But for me personally, when I'm reading a cosmic title, Stephen, a cosmic title that's heavy with the sci-fi, yeah. to me, you need sleek, slick, detailed artwork. Yeah. That's what I think. I agree. goes perfectly with that kind of story, right? And unfortunately, Jeff Shaw's art is very rough and sketchy and lacks detail. Yeah. It... So I think it's just. I, a, I, I agree. He's with a you. fine enough artist. He's just on the wrong title. Yeah, he's just on the wrong title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. It's. I mean, I don't know if I would. I would grade it uh, that harshly, but it is. I do agree. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So how would you grade out Guardians of the Galaxy number three? I would give. I'll give the writing a six, mm-hmm. and I'll give the art a six too. There you go. Fair enough. I will go almost the same as you, Stephen. I'll go the writing six night girls out of ten. I'll do the artwork. I will go. Yeah, I'm gonna go six night girls out of ten. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. Uh, hopefully this title heats up. Yeah. Hopefully it does. There's there's potential here. Let's go over to the two Spider-Man titles to wrap up this podcast, Stephen. Sure. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number four, uh, brought to us by Tom Taylor doing the words, Juan Cabal doing the art. Douglas Franchin doing the finishes on a couple of the pages, and Nolan Woodward doing the colors. Mm-hmm. And in this one, we see that Spidey and, oh, Rumor, the old lady superhero, mm-hmm. eh, she's got a kick out of her. Uh, <laughs> I like old superheroes, Stephen. It's so cool because you never see it. Marvel and DC are so ageist. You never <laughs> see old superheroes. It's really cool to see this old lady as a superhero. It's great. I just yeah. think it's fantastic. It's just so different, you know? I mean, it's better than a, a, a 13-year-old uh, female science whiz character. It seems to be, we, that's all we get. So yeah. it's kind of cool. It's an old lady. I like it. Very cool. <laughs> so, uh, but essentially, they've, they've reunited the, the woman with her uh, two children from, the under, from under New York, mm-hmm. right? The dimension beneath New York. <laughs> And I do like how the in the art when, when Peter is telling Johnny about what they went through in under New York, they they show you behind Peter and Johnny the panel. It's like it's like sixteen you know, bit, yeah, game <laughs> graphics like the original the original Super Mario Brothers. And yeah. it's Spidey like doing a little jumping around. It looks like and it looks like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah superimposed on like a New York landscape, right? <laughs> and he's like, Spidey's like, invaded an underground city, took on an evil ruler, rescued his daughter from the top top of an alternate Empire State building, surrounded by lakes of fire, you know, the usual. <laughs> and Johnny's like, hang on, did you free a princess from a tower? <laughs> <laughs> so, good job, good job, Tom Taylor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so long and short of it, the under New York uh, uh, comes to attack. And they come to the surface and Spidey calls the female uh, police officer that he made friends with, and I think in the first issue, yeah. saying, hey, you need to bring some cops, we're in trouble. <laughs> and unfortunately, the, the, des- the uh, captain, 
that she works for is like, we're not supposed to send anyone. We've got orders not to go to that location. Uh-oh, what's going mm-hmm. on? And we see the leader of under New York on the scene with his henchmen. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ah, you bring us, bring my, you know, our pact has been broken between our two cities. So, you know, I'll tear down every building until I get my kids back. Right? Yeah. And so... Rumor and Spidey arrive on the scene, and it's oh, Stephen. Uh, look, I, I, I gotta, I gotta first mention Juan Cabal is yeah, awesome. Juan Cabal is the man. He deserves more work. Yeah. His art is gorgeous, and this two-page splash shot, Stephen, of Spidey a jumping and avoiding all the bullets that the underworld. Monsters are shooting at him. Mm-hmm. Is yes, it's is it not awesome? Yeah, the use of the words "blam" all over the place, and the thwip 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 words, and the scratch from the cat he's trying to <laughs> save. Right, <laughs> it's hard to explain it on a podcast. You got to see it, but the yeah. use of the words intermixed with the panels, and then Spidey leaping through all the panels and outside of the panels into the black negative space behind everything. Mm-hmm. This, this is, I mean, Cabal showing off that he has serious chops as a graphic design artist. Yeah. Like this is graphic design work. This mm-hmm. is just comic art. This is graphic design work. The way yeah. he frames it and blocks it and uses the words and everything. This guy is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I've never, I, I, until I started reading this title and it's a new title, I had not heard of Cabal's work before. Yeah. It's amazing. Like mm-hmm. this, this blew me away. And I love, and Tom Taylor does a great job with the dialogue for this scene because Spidey's like, dodge the bullet, dodge the bullet, save the cat, dodge the bullet, ow, cat, scratch me, dodge the bullet, dodge the bullet, dodge the bullet. <laughs> it's just, it is, shoot the web, dodge the bullet, dodge the bullet. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, just two pages of brilliance wrapped up with one big splash shot where he's used the, he's used his weapon to get all the guns out of the under New Yorker's hands. Yeah. It's just, and it, it looks it, like they it, have like a little like web design behind Yeah, him. it is just, Stephen, I mean, we don't, you and I focus more on storytelling. I think sure. mainly because you know, I'm a creative writing major. Mm-hmm. You you you've published a book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You you love writing. Yeah. I think we come to things from the framework of a writer versus an artist. Yeah. I can't draw to save my life. You can't draw to save your <laughs> no. life. We have zero graphic skills at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, it's just not that we don't have that ability at all. Yeah. So we don't. Uh, I don't feel comfortable critiquing artists as much as I do writers. Sure. Um and. And, but so we don't, I know we don't focus, I mean, like, it seems like 90% of our reviews are the writing mm-hmm. and 10% is the artwork. Yeah. But I really, I, I really want to take a moment. Again, this is, this, this, this single page shot, Stephen, is gorgeous. Yeah. Or the graphic design work, again, he, he of, of the web pattern behind it. Mm-hmm. Cabal could do work advertising for graphic design. Yeah. He's amazing. This, it is a gorgeous, it's just, his artwork is gorgeous, Stephen. Mm-hmm. It is just gorgeous artwork. Yeah, the the sheer amount of of posters that could be made oh just from pages of this comic is God. staggering. You're right. Wow. I mean, these, these I would buy them. Oh my God! Oh no, this is absolute poster worthy artwork. Yeah. You're totally right about that. It's just I feel I just I have to praise it. It just yeah. it, it, it's not all the time that artwork just totally overwhelms me to the point where I just almost forget the story. The art is mm-hmm. so damn good. And for it to be an artist that I just hadn't heard of before, yep. how this man isn't getting more work and getting it now is beyond me, Stephen. Mm-hmm. 
So anyhow, the leader of the underworld, he's about to punch Spider-Man out when rumor goes, stop it, enough of this. And then we see the cop, friend Spider-Man, arrives on the scene. And then we see uh, some homeless people like, hey, this is our home. And then then we get the cheesy narration where it's like, uh, for the record, Miguel is homeless. But here he is standing up for our home. (laughs) Same with Gracie beside him. It's like... Okay, now we just get okay. Before you break your neck, Tom, get get off get off the pulpit, get off your soapbox, yeah. get back down the same level with us. It, it was it was jarring because it 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 was so such an obvious break in voice from mm-hmm. what we'd gotten up to this point. Yeah, it was a very jarring break in voice. Mm-hmm. Where like we stopped being a character to I have something to say. <laughs> Listen to what I have to say. This is my message. Now mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back to the story again and talk back into Peter Parker's voice. It's just. It was clunky, and it was awkward, and it was a little boop on the nose. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and then we see Kingpin arrive on the scene, and he's like, stand down, stand down. You know, turn over the under Yorkers to me. And so, because he's got a treaty, and Spider-Man's like, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. And Spidey then grabs a, a mega phone and he's like we're so grateful for the mayor stepping up to his city you know <laughs> and totally and, and kingpin's like all right time to go to the to the boss to the boss of the of under york he's like whoa 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 we had an agreement and kingpin's like uh we'll talk later <laughs> time to go he's got an image right yeah and, and behind spider-man with the megaphone is the american flag yeah yeah <laughs> a great again great shot great artwork isn't that just fantastic artwork there yeah just, just wonderful wonderful scene and so kingpin's like you're gonna leave you're not mm-hmm. getting your kids you're not getting your daughter. You're not getting your daughter and your kids. You're leaving. Bye-bye. And kind of just pushes them off to their little elevator back down to under York, right? <laughs> and the the boss from New York's like, Fisk. And Kingpin's like, let's not start a war. You can't possibly win. I was like, oh! Dude, that is vintage Kingpin right mm-hmm. there. Like, that is so baller Kingpin. Taylor <laughs> kills it with that, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He kills it with that. Like, oh, snap. And then... Peter basically uh, back at his uh, back uh, going to visit Aunt May, and we're kind of bringing things down, mm-hmm. wrapped up that story arc yeah. for now with the Under York, and he arrives at Aunt May's house, and uh, oh no, back to his Peter. I'm just what I'm saying. He's back at his apartment, mm-hmm. and he thinks it's empty, but in fact it's Aunt May. She's there, and she has news, mm-hmm. and it's that she has cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that plot line, Stephen, because I like my Aunt May. Yeah. Anyhow, I like this issue, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I praised Juan Cabal's artwork enough. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> but Tom Taylor does a really good job, really, really good job on this title. He has a great feel. I know I busted his chops about the homeless thing. But I'm, sure. I'm just, I'm just breaking balls. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the scene from the first Spider-Man movie of... Right. Them throwing the things at the Green Goblin. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Taylor does a great job. He has a good feel for Peter Parker's character. He mm-hmm. really does. He writes a great Peter Parker. Yeah. The the dialogue for Pete is is vintage Pete. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's got a great flow. He just does a great job with Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really good dialogue. I like how he writes Rumor. I think she's a super cool character as well with a neat personality, uniquely defined personality. Mm-hmm. I love the dynamic between Johnny and Peter. 
Taylor yeah. nails that as well. Really well done. <laughs> Taylor nails Kingpin's, Kingpin's character perfectly. Baller dialogue. That's really well done <laughs> as well. It's a good, good issue. Under York, a little bit of a, I don't know how excited I am about that, but maybe he can turn that into something neat for a later story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, the characters are all so well written. The dialogue is really good. The issue is fun. You have a smile on your face from start to finish. It's a fun, exciting adventure romp. Yep. It's why everybody loves Spider-Man. Sorry, people. Peter Parker, you can't replace him. <laughs> he is the undisputed best. Look at the sales numbers. I'm not making it up. This is why everyone loves his character so much. He's fantastic, and Taylor gets the character, and he delivers such a fun, exciting superhero story. Mm-hmm. It's why we like superhero comics. Yes. It's really, really well done, and you get just enough action to keep it lively, good to, to, to match up with the character work. It's really well plotted, really well paced. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. From a technical standpoint, well done. I don't have really much to complain about at all with this issue, Stephen. What would you think? Um... I'm right there with you. I think, um, well, I know why they did the Under York. It's so that Juan Cabal could draw it and make it look amazing. Yeah, exactly. Duh, duh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to add anything to that. I think that um, along with just the baller nature of the Kingpin, it also really focuses on his um, his vanity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it all it takes is. Wow, Mayor Fisk, thank you to make yep. him go. Yep. Okay, you, you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> that Bye-bye. that I, w- I was cracking up at that laughing because it's just yeah. a single panel of him just looking down at Spider Man, and then he turns and they go for do the whole thing. It's it's so and it's so true to the character because you know it, like when the Kingpin became mayor of New York, I wasn't sure how I felt about that, mm-hmm. but this is the kind of thing that makes that work mm-hmm. is you know and um because it fits so perfectly with the character but it also you know takes advantage of somebody in that position who has that kind of a authority mm-hmm. to make that work mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it really also plays on the fact that spider-man doesn't always fight his bad guys like as in that's how he wins he wins right. because he knows his villains and right. he knows how to make them tick yes and that's you know we don't see that often anymore i it's, agree it's all about always about the punching and the kicking yes. and whatnot yes but he won by psychology mm-hmm. like well you know it's <laughs> and after he got decked in the face by the <laughs> by the by the orange yeah. man it's yeah. like well yeah i don't know if he really wanted to, <laughs> to try and take that on right um, but yeah, the artwork is amazing. Um, I think the writing is really good. I mean, the, I didn't have as much of a problem with that scene because, you know, they had really established it with the Spider-Man. Like, it, it was the neighborhood. Yes. Not the whole city. It was just oh, that one absolutely. neighborhood. No, 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 absolutely. So I was like, well, okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But, um, <laughs> and of course, my favorite line in the entire issue is one that I relate to personally, yes. where when all the beams of light come out of the ground and Spider-Man talks about how bad the traffic is going to be. <laughs> and that was what he yeah, yeah. seemed the angriest about. It's all in bold and all capitalized. Yeah. As, <laughs> it's like, yeah, if that happened around here, I would, oh. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'd want to stand up to the bad guys, too. Uh-huh, so. uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's it's just great. I mean, I, I th- is this title set like in the past or something, or is it in the no. present? It's in the, the present. present okay. Yeah, that's my hmm. understanding. I was just trying to think with the Aunt May thing. It's like, well, if it's in the past, right. and obviously she gets over it. But um, 
so I mean, I'm not nervous about that one per se. I think right. I think Tom Taylor has a really good grasp on this title and this mm-hmm. character and mm-hmm. um, how to write the story. So I'm I'm very I'm very sold on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, Juan Carvalho's art. You know, please, please do more more titles, mm-hmm. or do posters or something that I can buy because I want I want this artwork so bad. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, Stephen, how would you grade out Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man number four? Um, I would give the I'll give the writing an eight because I do agree that the under under people are a little underwritten. Yeah, ah. very good, very good. Um, very good. but the art, God, I I'm gonna give that a ten. Dude, so you, good. You read my mind. Yes. I'm going eight night girls out of ten for the writing, and for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. And ten night girls out of ten. I'm talking ten voluptuous. Yeah. Bootylicious night girls <laughs> out of ten. Mm. I mean, honestly, this is the best artwork I've read or I've seen since we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like on par with the 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 JLA Milkman, whatever. Yes. Special, oh, which God, that yeah. was so good Phenomenal. too. Phenomenal. So. Yeah, it's Amen. up there. Yeah, you got mm. uh, the last one, Stephen. We're not going to review. Uh, I'm just going to touch on because you didn't read it. Spider-Man Life Story. Yeah. Number I had to go one. see Shazam. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes, he did. But you're going to. But you need to read it. Yes, definitely go read it. I will. It's written by Chip Zdarsky. Pencils by Mark Bagley. Sold. And the inks by John Dell. And it's set in the '60s. Mm-hmm. And I just got it. I'm not really going to go into it. I'm just going to say it is phenomenal. It great. It's great to see Bags drawn Spider-Man again. Yeah. Peter Parker. It just looks right. It mm-hmm. just looks. Right. And the the story, Chip Zdarsky does an amazing job with the story. He has such a good feel for all the characters. The dialogue is fantastic. The character work is excellent. The story is well-paced, well-plotted. There's very little action, and it doesn't matter. You get a little bit of action near the end when Spider-Man takes on the Green Goblin for a little mm-hmm. bit, but that's about it. You don't need it. The tension is driven by the, uh, the by the, the the internal conflict that Peter is having about whether he should go to Vietnam as Spider-Man or not. If he's a true hero, should he go there? Should he be using his power to help save people? Mm-hmm. And it's further compounded by the fact that Captain America is going to be going over there. Flash Thompson is going over there, and the reason why Flash is going is because he's inspired by by Spider-Man, mm-hmm. who is his idol. Right. Right. It, it is. It's amazing to be able to use character-driven story to create the conflict and, and, and the tension in the story and not action. That's mm-hmm. how good Zdarsky is. It's yeah. really, really, really well-written um, to the point where I would love, I would love if Marvel, they'll never do this, I know, but it'd be great if Marvel will pull, pull the trigger on publishing some titles set in different decades. Hmm. I think that would be awesome to read i would really think that would be neat um, oh, oh iron man's also in vietnam fighting as well oh, so okay. you got iron man fighting in vietnam captain america's gonna go over there mm-hmm. so peter of course you know flash being influenced by peter that's why he's going over there he's having that debate internally mm-hmm. but it would be a blast i'd love to see the classic marvel characters in in the 60s the 70s the 80s and just just write them as if the current ones don't exist mm-hmm. just write them in that decade. Right. I think it'd be a blast. I really like this issue. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The art is, of it's bags. So the art's great. Well, yeah. And Zdarsky <laughs> just crushes it with the story. Just mm-hmm. crushes it. I mean, I, I'd give this issue, the, the writing, nine night girls out of 10. Wow. And the art, I would give eight night girls out of 10. Mm-hmm. It's just a fantastic issue. I really encourage people to go check it out. 
Mm-hmm. If you're a Spider-Man fan, you will adore this comic. You really right. will. Wow. Well worth well worth checking out. Okay. All right, my friend. Wow, how about that? So uh, <laughs> Spider-Man takes the crown for this week, huh? Yep. That's right. Spider-Man takes the crown. As he always does. You can't mess with Peter Parker, I tell you. No. You really can't. <laughs> it's hard to get much better than that. Mm-hmm. On that bounce show, my friend, until next time, viva la revolucion.